I would love for you, as I have through this study, to gain an understanding of hope that we have in God through Christ Jesus and to make a decision to live every day as a people of hope. So in that scripture, it says God is the God of hope. It is a characteristic of him. And so therefore, we should be people of hope um, by default. If we are the people of God, if we are the body of Christ in the earth, then everything about him and his nature, we should also have and be showing the world. Um, who, how will they see it if we won't show it? Um, the strength of the dictionary's hope is within the person that is holding that hope. My desire, my feeling, my want. Well, what if I start wanting something else? What if my feeling fades? What if my desires change? Do I no longer have the hope for this thing? Is all hope lost in the world crashing down on me? If the hope is dependent upon the person, I promise you it will fail because we are a failed person. We all are. But God's hope, here's what I found through, through my, my study and reading, that God's hope is, by definition, the confident expectation of what God has promised. Its strength is in his faithfulness and his abilities, not anything in mind. So when my feelings change, yeah, thanks, Jeannie, right? So when my feelings change or my desires change or my, my wants change, then I can still hold firm to the fact that he is faithful. I can still hold firm that it's in his strength that this will happen and not mine. When I have no more strength, nothing left in me to give, he is still able. And so God's hope is the confident expectation of what God promises. There's a certainty about it. There's an assurance tied to it. Something that isn't on our shoulders. Um, So I believe, as I was reading through this, that God is calling us to rise up in in the midst of everything that's around us culturally and politically and whatever, economically and all the other lees that can remember the thing that I like with the... um, And to be a people of hope. Not just for our sake. Oh, God wants to do something great in you. But it's said in that first scripture, if you remember, so that you will overflow with hope. When something is overflowing, it's not just contained to its container or receptacle or whatever, but it is spilling out upon everything around it. When I overflow my coffee, I don't like it, but my counters get wet and my floor gets wet and it drips onto my cabinets. And then I find it months later, I'm like, oh, it's in the grout, <laughs> right? Who is the grout that is getting the hope from that, that which is spilling out of you that you might not ever see because you move or you leave or you whatever, but later on in life, probably when you get to heaven, you will see those that you spilled out upon. And you will get to watch the, the unfolding of that story that came from the overflow of hope out of your life that you didn't even see. I loved uh, Pastor Roger 
shared at a memorial service I was running sound for yesterday, and he shared about this story where a man was a missionary, I'll just briefly, because I don't remember all the details, but he was a missionary to this place for like 19 years, and he kept inviting people, and he would go out into the, into the town, it was in Africa, and he would invite and invite and invite, and the only people that would come was his family, is that correct? Just the four of them. And he would invite and invite, and year after year after year, it would, nobody would come, but they would meet, and they would be faithful, and they'd kept going, and his wife died there, and one of his Dots. was it another uh, son or daughter died there and finally he was getting old and he's like I have to leave and uh, finally one man he was, he was digging a ditch out for the grave of his wife if I'm remembering correctly and a man came over and started helping him and he just like always shared hey we're going to have service on Sunday you should come and he did and he gave his life to the Lord and he left because it was his time to go back and his health was failing and and he left and he went back home thinking, I'm a failure. I've spent 19 years trying and trying and trying in this village in Africa. Nobody except for this one guy accepted. And he ends up dying. And, but later on in life, his daughter goes to a missions conference somewhere. And up, up comes this man to share, this African man. And he, he talks about how he's met this, this man that would come to his village or that came to his village. And for year after year after year, we watched. He... he he explained. We watched him be faithful in our village. We watched him love on our people. We never went to his services. Never went. Except for I did once. And I gave my, my life to the Lord. And from that point on, he talked about the 200 plus churches he had planted in all over Africa. The orphanages that he had started and the, the hospitals. And all this great effect and change and hope that was brought to his village and the surrounding areas and throughout Africa because of the faithfulness and the hope of the one man, but he never saw the outcome. Don't be discouraged if you don't see it right off the bat. Your overflow is spilling all over. It's spilling all over. It's reaching far, far beyond the points that you can see. He's wanting to fill us with joy and peace as we trust in him so that we can overflow and bring hope to those around us. And so when you read the word of God, it's supposed to be active and transformative, like a catalyst, if you will, right? I'm not a scientist. I actually didn't like science when I was in... Isn't that great? I, so far, I've only told you of the things I don't like in school. <laughs> I'm fairly, I did, I did graduate with my college degree. I, 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 I got my, uh, it's in band, thank you. I have my, mu- it's, it's not as fancy when you say I have my degree in band. I have my bachelor's of arts in uh, music education. Thank you very much. <laughs> but I was not as good at science as I was math for whatever reason. I loved math, took uh, calculus in, in high school and things like that, but just, it was misfiring somewhere with the science. But I do know that when you have some elements or whatever and you pour the catalyst into it, um, it's supposed to have a reaction. Um, And if it doesn't have the reaction, it's not the catalyst's fault. It's the stuff that is the problem that's not reacting to the catalyst. So if the word of God is the catalyst and we put it in our heart and no change happens, we don't look at the, the catalyst. We don't look at God. We don't look at the word and say, why aren't you working? You should look at me and say, God, what is within me that is preventing your word from working? 
so how do we change? Like, I always ask questions about, like, okay, so what now, God? Like, I'm a very logical thinker. I want to know what, why, how, when. I don't always get the answers when I want them um, from him. But so how do we change? How do we become this people of God? What does it look like? And so God started giving me these examples of just very simple, practical things about when you have hope uh, in life. And so when you have hope, remember that the uh, definition of God's hope is that confident expectation. So hope can also be described as uh, an expectation. So when you're expecting something, I I started thinking, oh, well, every time that we go to youth camp, uh, we expect, we have an expectation that we're going to go to youth camp. And then we all, I always talk to the students about, the more you put in, the more you get out. And what you put in, you, you also get out. So if you put in garbage, you get out garbage. There's no way to you know, mold a pile of poop to be anything different than a pretty pile of poop. Um, I like poop analogies because it works with middle school kids. Hopefully you're not offended. Um, all right, and if you put garbage in your life, you're going to get garbage out. And if you go up to camp with no expectation for God to move, then he's going to be there trying to move, and you're going to have no expectation. So you're going to perceive, you're going to feel right, that God didn't move. But was he? Absolutely. You just didn't hop on the train. Mm. And if you think about a train, I've never done this, and please don't try to do it, but if you start running before you hop on the train, you can hop on a train that's going faster than if it's standing still, but if you go up to a train that's standing still, the fastest you can go is zero miles an hour. So if you go up to an event, if you come towards an event and you have prepared yourself, you had an expectation, and you're running before you get to that event, that train can be on its way somewhere, and you can hop on in motion and go. That's right. right? So going to winter camp is an expectation. We expect that we're going to get in a car. We expect that we're going to go up to camp. We expect that things are going to happen. We expect that we're going to play games. We don't expect that it's going to rain all the time and it's going to be freezing cold, but sometimes that happens. Um, <laughs> When you take a vacation, we just recently went to Disneyland, right? Um, That's another thing that they're expecting. And and probably, maybe for some of you and for me, when you think, I'm expecting, you might think of having a baby. If you've had one or known someone to have one, the the olden term is, I'm expecting, not I'm pregnant. Uh, Rachel always talks about Grandma Linda saying that that you would never say someone's pregnant. That's That's not right. That's... You say, she's expecting. Yes. It's much more proper. I would drink my coffee with my pinky out and say that she's expecting. Did you hear? Linda is expecting. So, that's how you know I'm comfortable, is if I start using weird accents. You can can talk to my students about all the different things that come out of my mouth. Um, So, when you're expecting something, there's this anticipation There's an anticipation for this thing to come, for it to happen. And when you have God's hope, you have anticipation that's different. And so I started to think about what what is anticipation? It's a mental state, right? It's not physical. It's mental. Um, It's emotional. It's behavioral. And so when we have the, the dictionary definition, or you could say the world's hope, it's like a wish or a whim or a a bet, if you will. Um, And oftentimes when those winds and storms come and you're built on sand, you might have an emotional state of doubt or worry or anxiety or even get into the point of you're comparing yourself to others and and say, oh, I, I can't 
what if they did it, or they did it this way, or why did they get it this way? All these anticipation moments come, and your mental state is mostly negative, I have found, when it's based on your own power and not his promises. Um, But he wants to change those anticipation mental states from those negatives to positives like steady and confident and assured and peace. And our emotional state, at least like when I'm going to Disneyland, I'm excited, right? I'm like, this is going to be great. (laughs) I can do all kinds of stuff um, beforehand, right? My behavior even changes when I have the right hope. When I have the hope that is the confident assurance that this thing is going to happen, it just hasn't happened yet, I know that I'm going to go to Disneyland. I know that God is going to do fill in your blank. Then you can treat people a whole lot differently when you know that you're going to Disneyland next week, right? All of a sudden, that comment that would have flipped your lid like a week ago, now that you know you're going to Disneyland, you're like, oh, bless your hearts. <laughs> it's okay. We will persevere and survive. It's okay. Let's just keep on going, right? And you just, your whole countenance changes. No matter what comes your way, you have that anticipation of what is going to happen. So when you have the hope that is in Jesus, no matter what comes your way, you're not swayed. Your behavioral state can stay intact. Your mental state can stay positive, can stay peaceful. You can have joy in your life no matter what. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm. Read your Bible. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It will cut straight to the heart. I love how God, at least with me, he, he don't mince words. <laughs> he just goes, <"Whoa!" laughs> right to it. And if you know people that, are, that have a great relationship with the Lord, when they come to you, they do it in love and they don't, embarrass you or make you feel bad about it, but they somehow just know, and they come straight into your heart, right to the issue. Be open and willing to allow the Lord to cut to your heart. Protect your heart, but don't close it off. Proverbs, it talks a lot about guarding your heart. It's not talking about building a fortress so no one and nothing can get in, but it's about putting the protection of the Holy Spirit around your heart so that it can be the deflection for the things that aren't supposed to get in and the access to the things that are supposed to get in. Guard your heart. Don't close it off to everyone and everything. Be conformed not to this world transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so we have anticipation when we have hope. And we also have preparation, which is where the Lord sat me for a while in this process of thinking of hope. Um, And so preparation, I started thinking, is a process. Anytime you're going to do something, you prepare for various amounts of time or whatever, but it's a process. 
And I think sometimes in this world where we have microwaves and, and I can order Starbucks from my phone and it can be there when I'm ready and, and like I can ask Google just about anything and it's got me the right answer most of the time, right? We, we are in a world and a culture of instantaneous gratification for almost everything and it's trained and conditioned us almost to be upset when we can't get it now. I want it now, right? Like... Willy Wonka, like the girl, like who, who liked that one? No one liked that character. She was annoying. I don't like her, right? <laughs> Thanks. Courtesy laughs are great. Um, <laughs> but no, it's okay. It's really okay. I'm having fun. I hope you're having fun too. Um, so he told me... I don't just work instantaneously, but I also work through processes. And he started pointing out, you can look throughout the whole Bible, but two very simple things that instantly came to my mind was creation. He said, let there be light, boom, instantaneous. Why didn't he say, let there be everything, boom. There was six days, and on the seventh, he rested. Every day, there was something new. It took, there was a process. But some things were... And other things were a process. Jesus, why didn't he just pop up a 33-year-old dude to go like, walk up to a cross and be hung and have it over with? Like, done. Like, good job, everybody. Good game. Right? And welcome back. Right? Why did he make him be born as a child and live 30 years and go through adolescence and puberty and everything and, and ridicule from, from peers and, and going back to his hometown. And, and get, like, why did he experience all that? Why didn't he, if his purpose, right, his purpose was to come and save the world and be the ultimate sacrifice, why didn't he just come as a 33-year-old dude and get it done? So there was a process. But even further, he didn't even start his ministry until 30, and it was three years of ministry, and finally he fulfilled his purpose by dying on the cross. Sometimes processes take longer than we desire. I have found that most of the time with God, it does. Because when I have, I want it here. He goes, I'm going to just show you that I'm Lord, and I'm going to do it here. <laughs> or it doesn't go our way. Same reason. Father, if you would just do it like this. Father, I want it like this. He's like, yes, you do. I'm going to show you that I'm multifaceted and don't put me in a box and I'm going to do it like this. Not that he always does that. Sometimes it does, thank God, that we are, are, are sometimes hearing from the Lord correctly and it happens the way we hear from the Lord. But when it's birthed out of my desire, right? There's a difference between my desire and my desires being his desires. Thank you that I'm not so dumb that all of my desires are not lined up with his will. Um, thank you, Lord, that you do speak to me and that you are awesome and that you, you reveal some things to me and I get it right sometimes. Um, and sometimes our process requires other people's prepar- or participation in our preparation. Hmm. This one I started thinking about a lot um, and, and just about being isolated. I'm a, I can probably do it better than you kind of personality. Or like, it's not getting done, I'll just do it. I don't want I, I to bother you with helping me. I know you're busy. I'll just take it on myself. That's kind of my little bit of an insight into my personality. 
But if we approach life that way, then you are, in essence, severing yourself off from the body of Christ. How many of you have seen an arm laying on a table going like this, not connected to a body, <laughs> right? When you, when you sever something, when you isolate something, it will die. Our bodies are super crazy. Like if I were to cut my hand right in here and then I put a little Band-Aid, thank God for Band-Aids, it would eventually look just like this again. Like how does that happen? There's little things in here that go, and it fixes itself. But if I chop my hand off and let it over there, it would just be cut open forever. It would not fix itself. So you're better off, <laughs> promise you, to be connected to the body in your process. So in, in, in preparation, when you're going on a trip or having a baby, um, you add things, right? Like I started thinking about when we were having Daphne for the first time. We started buying all kinds of stuff, right? We needed a stroller, and we needed a jogging stroller, and we needed diapers. In the box, like the baby's not born. We're gonna need the size one through five. What? He's not. It's gonna be years. Um, and then we needed a, 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 all kinds of clothes. And it's like today he's in this, and now tomorrow he's in a different size. What happened, right? And then we, you need a crib, and you need this and that, and you need a baby monitor and a video monitor and a, and a like a carbon dioxide monitor and a every. Oh my God, we're monitoring so many things and we're getting so many things and we're adding so many things, but the Lord is wanting to add something to you in the process before you see hope fulfilled in your life. And if you're so focused that it's not fulfilled yet, you miss what the Lord is trying to add to you through the process. The baby's not here. If I just said, oh, the baby's not here, the baby's not here. When the baby finally got here, you wouldn't be prepared for the baby, so he's never going to give you the baby. You have to prepare for the baby so that when the baby is here, you don't kill the baby. God is not going to give you something that you're going to kill. But he's going to give you something that you are well prepared for because he's added stuff to you so that you can take that baby and you can raise it to know him and that he could influence and change the world for his glory. And whatever it is that you're hoping for, he's not just going to lay in your lap because you're going to kill it. And what kind of witness is that? He's going to take you through a process. He's going to add some things to you so that you're prepared to take that baby or whatever it is, to take that job, to take that relationship, to take that whatever, and not have it fail, but have it thrive, to live and multiply and shine glory to his face. And he's going to do it so that you can't say a word about yourself. And also, when you're having a baby, you clean stuff out. (laughs) You clear things out. I got rid of all kinds of stuff. I was like, video games? No more. (laughs) Actually, that was Rachel. Um, uh, (laughs) Just kidding. I held on to that PS2. It's still in the room doing nothing. I haven't played in a long time. Um, But... That's very side note, uh, but the, 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 the idea is still the same. You clear things out. You take an entire room, if you have the space, or you take a, a generous space, and you clean it out, right? You get rid of everything in it. You clear it out, and you add those things that you're going to have for that baby. What is in your life that the Lord is trying to clean and clear out or clean up? 
that if it stays there dirty or stays there at all, it's going to taint that which you are hoping for. Right? He's trying to add some things to you. Some good things. He's trying to clear some things out, clean some things up. Shaving a haircut a little bit. Look nice for that baby. Right? I can't grow facial hair even if I tried, man. Just look like, boop, just one. Just look like a weird guy. It's sad. I need some Rogaine for my face. Uh, not for here, for here. I'm always baffled by dudes that have, like, big old beards, but they're bald. I'm like, Lord, just, it's so close. Uh, well, I got the reverse problem, but. So, <laughs> thank you, hope. So when you have the Lord's hope, you have anticipation, and you prepare, you have preparation, and finally, through hope, there becomes creation. You see what I did there with the, the uns? Yeah, thank you. Um, and to me, creation is hope fulfilled. Hope fulfilled. God is a creator. He's wanting to make something new, to give you something new. I think too often we, we, we spend our time trying to fix the old. We try to fix our old self when God is calling us to come as we are, to lay all down at his feet and allow him to make us a new creation. No matter how long you look at your old self, it's still going to be dirty. No matter how hard you scrub and all the Windex and and Clorox and all the other stuff you try to get in there, it's still going to be dirty. And you know, like you're thinking, I can feel myself in times, I'm trying my, my hardest to clean my act up. But God's over here going, let me give you this new shiny thing. Just give me that old junk and lay it here. Give it up. Let go. I can feel like the Lord almost getting frustrated with me, even though he's not. But if it were me, I would be frustrated with me. (laughs) Like, just let go. I have something new for you. So, so good. In 2 Corinthians... 5 and 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Not cleaned up, right? It's not just like what was is now good, back to its original state. No, it's new. So in God, we have so many promises. Promise that we're standing upon a rock. The promise of salvation, right? Forgiveness of sins. And John 3, 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And in 1 John 1 and 9, it says, If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We have the promise, the hope of salvation forgiveness of sin. We have the hope and promise of the Holy Spirit 
active in our life. Peter said in Acts 2, 38, that each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then, immediately after following that, then, not like follow this next 12-step plan, then, but then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in that Holy Spirit, we have things like comfort and advocacy and a teacher and power. It says that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. We have the promise of of abundant life. John 10.10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. I stole that one from the Amplified Bible because I like it. I'm going to read that one again because it's good. This is the second part. That's the good part. I came so that you may enjoy life, so that you may have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. We have purposes and plans in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I have, or I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, but to give you a future and a hope. And we have eternal life in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Those are just a few. God's promises are are endless and infinite. His capabilities are far beyond our, our capability of understanding and our logic. And in closing, I wanted to just read another scripture out of the Amplified Bible. It's in Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified, that is, acquitted of sin, declared blameless before God by faith, let us grasp the fact that we have peace with God and the joy of reconciliation with Him through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed. And through Him, We have access by faith into this remarkable state of grace in which we firmly and safely and securely stand. And let us rejoice in our hope and the confident assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our great God, the manifestation of his excellence and power. And not only this, but with joy, let us exult in our suffering and rejoice in our hardship, knowing that hardship, distress, and pressure, and trouble produces patient endurance. And endurance produces proven character, spiritual maturity, and proven character produces hope and confident assurance of eternal salvation. And such hope in God's promises never disappoints. Because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. This morning, I don't know how you came, but I pray that you do not leave the same way that you came in. If you're 
if you came in feeling hopeless this morning, let me assure you, the God who promises salvation, forgiveness, an abundant life, now full of purpose and plans for your life and internal life beyond that, but now also he has promises for you. He's calling you and asking you to come. Now, not tomorrow, not next week, not when you get cleaned up, because you can't. He's asking you to lay it down and let him make you a new creation. We bow our heads this morning, close our eyes, just focus on Him. Father, I pray for those that feel lost and hopeless. Lord, I pray that you would be closer than ever before right now in their heart. Let there be a burning sensation within their body, a fire lit within them even now. As an expression and a verification and a validation that you are a true living God alive in us right now. This morning, if you need hope and you want to say yes to God, to ask Him to be Lord of all instead of not Lord at all, I want you to just raise your hand and show Him. If you want to commit your life to the Lord and ask Him to be Lord of all, Raise it up high. Don't be ashamed. We celebrate your commitment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we we praise you. We give you glory and honor, Jesus. Can we all pray together for these people? Father, I thank you for sending your son for dying on the cross. And Lord, I ask you to forgive me. Be Lord of my life. I know that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Thank you, Father, for being that Savior. I commit myself to you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And we stand together. So I think no matter what, point of life we're in, there's always a point of hope needed. So each and every one of you, I think God has been tugging on that one area of your life that maybe feels like you're standing on sand or you just, you just know that God has promised something and it has not come to pass yet. And you're in anticipation and then you're in preparation, but don't be disconnected from the body.